The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. Hi, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Perrow columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Now, today we're catching up with Ultamin, focused in northern Italy with the Gorno Zinc Project. To bring us up to speed with what's been happening at the company, and there's a lot happening at the company, given the Victor Smorgan Group, a major shareholder in the company, had on May 3 launched a 9.5 cents a share takeover bid, which uh, is the equivalent of today's market price for the company. The MD, Grant Harris, has a lot to talk about. G'day, Grant. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Barry. Thanks very much for inviting me. Now, I've mentioned the takeover bid by uh, the major shareholder, although I do note the the board speaks for 17.8% of the stock as well. Uh, unsolicited offer, we've been told, but more importantly, uh, you there was a independent experts report uh, commissioned by the company, uh, compiled by BDO with technical input from Snowden's. What did that find, and what was what was the end uh, recommendation from the brokers, uh, from the brokers, from the company directors? It's uh, that it wasn't fair or reasonable the bid, and um, they're putting the preferred value at um, twenty five point three cents per share, with a range of nineteen point five to thirty point nine. So it was, you know, it's it's an arm's length assessment of the value of the projects. Most of that is in Gorno. And, um, you know, we've, we've played it by the book by, by getting that assessment. So uh, the preferred value of 25.3, so there was a range from 19.5 cents up to as much as 30.9 cents. Now, I guess the uh, million-dollar question at this point is uh, why is the stock trading at 9.5 cents to equal the, uh, the bid at this stage? I think at the moment, we, you know, people are – the market is incredibly beaten up, as we all know. Um, we are – you know, we're in a market which has got a, um, you know, very much a love for battery metals and um, and all things, you know, decarbonisation. It, it just so happens that, you know, the projects that we've got include those commodities, but they are less advanced than Gorno at the moment. The thing is that, that obviously we can only report what, you know, what we do um, to the ASX we can't, you know, give huge, you know, forward-looking predictions. But, you know, we're really very much on the cusp of um, of getting those, you know, starting to, we think, you know, get traction on those licenses and then very quickly be able to generate news flow on those battery metal projects. And you just look at, you look at our neighbour with the lithium licenses is Vulcan Energy. You know, their market cap has also been hugely beaten up, you know, I think unfairly. Um, when you look at the quality of their projects in Germany, they're seeing equal quality in Italy, and um, you know their market cap is you know six seven hundred million Aussie at the moment. Now, when the, uh, the bid was announced, there was uh, it was you know, a thirty two percent premium to uh, the pre bid market price, but given um, the stock is thinly traded and the ownership is concentrated, uh, is it not best to look at the uh, you know, the average price over a month before to give a better reflection of 
uh, what that premium actually uh, was? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, the one month before uh, VWAP was uh, 8.8 cents. So it wasn't like, you know, at, at market, our uh, share price is just, you know, um, being elevated because of the bid price. Our, um, you know, our, our shares were trading. I think our one month high was uh, 9.8 cents. And I think our 52 week high up to the bid was was 10.4. So, you know, we've, we've raised, uh, we had a very successful rights issue over 80% uptake. We've got a good treasury. You know, we've got a game plan to um, to deliver on Gorno plus to start delivering on these other assets, which we can do very quickly. And so this is a, you know, from, from a management perspective, there's a heck of a lot more to give. And certainly from an Italian perspective, we're just scratching the surface on our projects. Uh, just to reconfirm, uh, BDO found the offer neither fair or, or reasonable. Um, and I think the offer is due to close on July 4 unless extended. Um, and I guess shareholders who read the 236-page uh, target response to the offer um, can be brought up to speed by going through that. But I, w- I was wondering if you can encapsulate what, how the company will be capturing this uh, implied upside in that BDO valuation of preferred value of more than 25 cents a share. Yeah, okay. So, you know, there's um, there's a fair amount of value in there for Gorno and, you know, converting our, um, you know, and carrying on what we've been doing consistently, which is... Um, moving the project along the development phase. You know, we've currently got a resource of, you know, circa 8 million tonnes. With, within very close reach of that, you know, our current development, and by that I mean the underground tunnels which are pre-existing, we've got a, um, a, a large exploration target, you know, it's 17 to 22 million tonnes. And that is, um, you know, some of that is accessible from existing development quite easily. And that is what we're also going to be drilling off to start, you know, adding more resource to the current resource, not only increasing the confidence, you know, from inferred to indicated. So that's a, that's a significant um, value, you know, uh, increment, which is going to happen. Second thing is, you know, we're running, shareholders are bought and paid for Metallurgy. You know, we're we're running Metallurgy now. It's looked very, very good in the past. We're looking to improve that. Um, Or at the very least, you know, confirm on on a wider scope of, you know, ore types. So, you know, not only are we looking to grow the value, but we're, you know, de-risking the project by by going through a DFS, Um, you know, intrinsically also does increase the value of the project and you know brings us closer to that MPV. I think one of the things which we can't talk about right now, but it has been running for you know quite some time, is a strategic process that we're running to you know to kill that final you know major risk that all juniors have, which is let's let's try and uh, nail the finance risk. So we've been looking through the strategic process at a various, um, you know, assembly of groups who can um, come in to help finance this project and take, you know, some or all of that burden off shareholders. Uh, just a reminder there to 
the listeners that Gorno was a producer up to 1982, used to be owned by E&I, the now purely uh, oil and gas focused energy giant. Um, the CapEx, I think, in the scoping study was put at about $115 million US. Not a, a big ask, and I guess reflecting the leverage uh, you, you've got there because of the, all the development work that went into Guano by ENI ahead of its closure. Yeah, that's it. You know, when you look at the, the MPV, um, the IRR is 50%. Okay. And, and that's, you know, a forward looking statement warning, but in my humble opinion, as a mining engineer and been in this business for a long time, looking at the economics to, to increase that IRR and MPV, you just add some tons onto it. And we've got, we've got so many places to drill for additional resource. As our head of exploration, Bob Annett, who was with me in Adriatic says we have an embarrassment of targets. So, you know, this, what we're, what we're doing here with Gorno is, you know, we're starting a mine, but the eventual mine, which, you know, we will quite quickly, once we're in development phase, be drilling off is going to be, in my opinion, again, uh, you know, a tier one asset. And we're not only benefiting from that geological endowment, but E&I left behind, you know, kilometers and kilometers, you know, we, we've got primary development savings of, you know, in excess of 20K. There's over, you know, there's over a couple of hundred kilometers of um, uh, underground tunnel being put into Gorno. And therefore, the in-the-ground risk compared to a Greenfields project is far, far less because we can see what the ground's doing. We understand it. We, you know, we walk and drive down it every day. And, um, and also, we can see the mineral, the, the mineral in the sidewall. So this isn't like we're, you know, Greenfield site poking some holes in from 300 metres above and hoping the ore body's there. Um, you know, once this DFS is complete, and, you know, we've got a, a largely de-risked project at Gorda with a lot of growth potential. And one of the things that interests me about the market at the moment is uh, what I see as a disconnect between quite still elevated commodity prices uh, and, you know, uh, across the board smashed equity values. And I note with um, zinc, which is obviously the main metal at Gorda, that I think your scoping study was based on US uh, 2,850 a tonne. And here, here we are today with zinc at $3,700 a tonne, i.e. 30% higher. Um, and I guess that might be worth the bidder's bid. But um, I'm just wondering if you can give us a feel for how you see the zinc market from here. Great question. The, the zinc market's intrinsic to, you know, to the decarbonisation. And, and it's also intrinsic to um, infrastructure development. You know, both of those initiatives you are, um, there's been huge funding commitments from the US on uh, infrastructure development. We know China, you know, there's, there's always questions about whether China's really going to deliver. I don't think they've got any um, option not to deliver on their, you know, infrastructure and uh, uh, what's the word, um, urbanization programs because of their tremendous internal pressure. So I think that demand is you know, is what it is. And we're going to have additional demand from the US. On top of that, we've got, you know, the decarbonisation. Every wind turbine out there, every solar panel frame, it uses, you know, galvanised steel, which requires zinc. 
And, and so that's all extra use. Every new car body requires galvanized zinc. And, um, and so with this, you know, decarbonization, uh, you know, and it isn't a trend. It's very much policy and, and there's no turning back from that. I think the EU in the last couple of weeks has committed, you know, a two, a new, a first tranche of two billion to a new fund and they see 30 billion plus being required to be invested in uh, raw material extraction in Europe. That means metals. So, you know, this is real. Zinc is very much, you know, um, front and center in that demand cycle. And, and we're not, we're really not seeing that real demand hitting the market yet. What we've seen, which has pushed this price up to, you know, 4,000 is some supply constraint, um, on the, on the smelting side. But that's also, you know, that's endemic. We've got an energy crisis in Europe that needs more spend to solve it. It isn't going to be solved on its own. And, you know, with the games that Russia's playing, um, sadly, you know, creating such, you know, catastrophe in Europe, it's, you know, that, that, uh, security of supply and, um, and bringing more energy source into Europe, which means more construction is only going to drive demand further and also require a fair proportion more now, more of demand than, than we have now, which is in secure countries. So I can't see, you know, from a fundamental barrier, sorry to bang on about this, and I'm no economist, I'm just a humble mining engineer, but, you know, I don't see anything in the fundamentals which isn't very, very positive for, you know, our suite of projects. Converting uh, the current zinc price into a US dollars a pound, uh, we're talking about a dollar sixty-seven a pound, and I think your scoping study uh, said somewhere between fifty and sixty cents a pound, uh, all in sustaining costs. So, uh, a robust project, um, even at say long-term zinc prices around a dollar ten a pound, but uh, particularly robust potentially at a dollar sixty uh, to two dollars a pound, I guess. Yeah, really. We're, we're going to be in the, the scoping study has stated that we're going to be in the lowest quartile of global zinc producers for, um, all in sustaining cost. And, you know, if you're in any commodity, especially a base metal, you know, that's exactly where you want to be because that, that puts you in production for the long term. And then you capture as many of these spikes in, um, in, in prices as they're going to be going forward. Gorna is obviously the focus, but the company has been, uh, adding upside potential with uh, Punta Coma, Cobalt, uh, Nickel, in also in uh, Northern Italy. And you touched on the lithium exploration licence with um, uh, power, with, uh, sorry, geothermal overlays to it. And as uh, in addition to that, uh, you put your foot on some uh, historical VMS districts in Italy. Relatively early stage, obviously, compared to Gorno, but uh, how excited are you, are you about some of those creating some real value for the company going forward? I'm extremely excited. I knew you'd say that. <laughs> <laughs> to put it mildly, Barry, I could have said extraordinarily excited. I could have put many superlatives on it. No, I really am for two reasons. You know, one, you know, we've been working on these permits for and, and permits on Punta Corner, developing a work program. You know, that's real. And, you know, that project is set up that, that, once we get that EL granted, which we think is going to be, you know, imminent, we're going to have, um, be able to get straight in there with a, a very efficient drill program 
to hopefully we define a a good uh, series of high-grade cobalt hits, you know, straight in the middle of Europe. It's, you know, that's a, tr- a tremendously strategic project from that point and very quick to be able to get in there and drill it. We've already got a drilling contractor lined up. Obviously, that's pending funding and, um, you know, but we're not talking an immense amount of money, which brings me on to my second point is once we have these other licenses, we, you know, the lithium license we think is also, you know, relatively imminent to to generate a lot of work has been done on these projects, both on the VMS and on the lithium in the past. And to actually generate very meaningful news flow, the first thing we do is is low cost. You know, we, we dig through all the data that's existing and we apply modern assessment um, and next time, next point, you know, modern exploration to these projects to be able to really understand um, what was there because the geothermal has never been tapped. Uh, you know, the geothermal gradients of this part of Italy are, you know, as good as anywhere in the world and better than, you know, 90%. The lithium in brine uh, concentrations are equally as good as anywhere in the world. Look, you know, initial data shows equivalent to the Salton Sea. You know, predictions on the Salton Sea in California, which is um, largely owned by, uh, you know, Warren Buffett's, company you look at the predictions of what that could produce in terms of lithium they're talking revenues of you know six billion plus per annum now i'm not saying we've got that in italy you know this is tiny this is early stage stuff uh, at the moment but for us to understand you know what the potential lithium lithium generation from that region is won't take us long and we've got, you know, over, I think, over 6,000 hectares, which will be, um, which is a fantastic, uh, sorry, with, with the, the last application, we'll have about 8,700 hectares, which is a good land position. Uh, and does that come with geothermal potential as well? Absolutely. So that's geothermal and um, lithium extraction. You know, the process, they're hand in glove. So, you know, we'll be looking to, hopefully try and solve the energy crisis in Europe in two ways, you know, lithium for batteries, plus the um, geothermal power. And then the spin-off there is obviously for, you know, near nearby domestic and industrial buildings, you can create um, heat uh, distribution networks. So you try and fix everyone's problems at once. It's a concept that ASX investors would know well through uh, Vulcan, which is uh, similar uh, obviously more advanced with their project in uh, Germany, lithium slash geothermal, and I imagine they've been sold off recently as well. But last time I looked, they, I think they had a billion-dollar market cap. So Europeans obviously love this uh, that that concept. Well, it, it makes sense, and it and not only makes sense, but it, you know it talks exactly to the problems that that Europe is facing today. And um, I think Vulcan are doing a tremendous job. You know, they are blazing a trail and. Their, you know, their market cap, as you say, they've been sold off, but their market cap, you know, has been circa a billion dollars. Um, their project is PFS. So it shows you how quickly a, um, a company can grow when you're in this sector or this, this portion of the sector. And, you know, they've got the license, which is, um, right next to ours. In fact, we've got two licenses applied for adjacent to the Vulcan license in Italy. 
Italy is the first place that they've looked outside of Germany. And I think that speaks volumes for, you know, what the geology is telling them. The company Altamin, that is an interesting position because if you had that lithium project uh, alone, you'd probably have your current market cap anyway, let alone your key asset, your know, and what might come from the VMS and the cobalt. So, uh, which I guess all feeds into uh, why the recommendation from the board is reject. So... When uh, a board says reject, uh, what's the advice? Uh, what do shareholders have to do or not do? Follow the board. <laughs> we're just we're just getting going, and and really, you know, you look at the potential. Um, it's all the focus has all been on Gorno up to this point, and you know, Gorno's zinc. I'm very bullish on zinc, but not everyone is, especially when you're, you're faced with the flashier battery metals. But we've got all that. We've been leveraging our first mover advantage in Italy to pick up what I consider and the team consider, you know, the best in class assets um, where no one else is. So we've got the pick and, you know, we're not finished yet. So we're looking at, um, you know, other commodities because it's a tremendous opportunity, not just to bring on assets, but to also, you know, bring on a, you know, a series, you know, a, a, a sector which, which has been underinvested in for the last 60 years, that understands extraction. You know, there's plenty of industrial mineral projects throughout Italy. You don't have the competition you'd have in Australia for similar projects uh, from, what, six, 600 and 650 junior explorers and mining companies. Uh, Italy uh, doesn't operate that way. So you guys have got, uh, not carte blanche, but you've been there a long time, so obviously gives you... You've got eyes and ears on the ground, so I'm just wondering whether is uh, what you've got now is at the end of it, or do you see other opportunities elsewhere in Italy? Yeah, we see other opportunities. So you know, we're working on them now. We don't we don't stop. You know, the, the initiative was lithium. Look for all the opportunities. Lithium in brine is is the most um, opportune, and and then you know the next stage is you, you know will unfold. If, um, you know, shareholders follow board's advice and reject this offer and allow us to do our job. There you go. It's a great way to finish up, I think, Grant. So good luck with it all. Interesting story. And we'll be watching with interest how it all pans out. So thanks for your time. And we'll speak again soon. Cheers. Cheers, Barry. Thanks for the opportunity to talk.